What up, everybody? This is Back, and you're listening to the Feedback Podcast, the only podcast about the Austin nightlife. And on this week's episode, we get to talk about the food scene here in Austin, and who best to talk about food than C.K. Chin, partner at Swift Attic and Wu Chow. If you haven't been to those restaurants, you have to go check it out. It's so good, so delicious. So he tells his story, he talks about the trends, talks about the food culture in Austin, dealing with celebrities, and also gives you tips and advice on how to dine like a boss. So definitely a great show. Thank you for tuning in, and let's go. What's up, girl? This is P-Tech. Just wondering if you wanted to listen to the Feedback Podcast and chill. And we're live. Welcome to the Feedback Podcast, everybody. My name is Back, and this is episode number 95. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Uh, we got Miko in the house. How you doing? Doing good, Back. How's your week? Doing good. Doing good so far. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, on the chat, the link is thefeedback.com slash Mixler. Uh, share it with your friends so you can live chat during the show. Uh, we'll be talking about a few things this, this episode. I'm really excited because I got a good friend on the show. But first, uh, we're going to do a little FOMO recap first, uh, talk about uh, the last episode, Miko. Uh, we'll get to that, and then we'll talk about what happened last weekend. Little, There was a bunch of shows in town. Before we get to our guest of the day, I'm so excited to talk to this guy, seriously. Anyway, Miko, go over the last week follow-up. Yeah, so last week, for those that were listening, we had um, P-Tech on here, um, and we talked about Weird City, the Weird City... Hip hop. That's not only the tour itself, but the festival that goes on. And just a just a heads up for everybody that was listening or even wasn't. He was great on the show. He has a tour going on right now, traveling through Austin, Dallas, San Marcos, Houston, Denton. Uh, he'll be in Austin at Stay Gold on May twenty sixth. That's what. To, that's Thursday. Thursday. That's Thursday. Yeah. That's Thursday. So go on and check him out. He'll be out there with uh, some local acts. Uh, KB the Bob Bonic. Uh, Crew 54, Feral the Earth, Worm, Secret Levels, No One Important, Square, Burnsy, and uh, some more guests as well. So, again, if you're looking for good live local hip-hop music, check them out. They support the podcast just like you do, so let's give them the same love. Also, the Austin Mike Exchange, p over every Tuesday um, for any upcoming and aspiring hip-hop artists, or if you just want to listen and uh, support hip-hop here in Austin, every Tuesday, 10 p.m. at Spider House Cafe. Also, uh, so the, the episode from last week is on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe, you listen to it. It's also on SoundCloud, so you can get on there, add some comments. Like, like Miko said, P-Tech was great on the show. He definitely got great things going on, so make sure you go out there and support. Now, speaking of last week, uh, there was a bunch of stuff going on. In case you missed out, there was the Hall & Notes show that I went to. How was that? Man, I caught, like, I got there, they were already on stage, I tried to get you to go. I know we have stuff. To, we're doing a podcast. I'm dedicated to this thing, so you know, Hall and Oates can wait. And you know, I didn't. The thing is, I didn't grow up with them because they didn't. They were not big in France, right? But I, I knew like maybe three songs. Like I can't go for that. Man Eater. Maybe that's two songs. Sure, but the crowd was into it. Why yeah, was the crowd was into it. Yeah, but a lot of the one thing I didn't I didn't know was that like a lot of their songs are like slow songs. Yep. I mean, a lot of the ones they played, at least, were slow songs. Right. Until they got to Man Eater and, you know, I can't go for that. 
Uh, but it's kind of those things like you're just standing there. You sound like you're jamming. You know, some people were singing along, but I didn't get the vibe like around me that people were really like into it. And plus, there was a storm coming. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, you could like there was thunder and everything. And by it, they were like maybe three quarters in, and you we started. They started get to get really windy. Was it outside? Outside at the amphitheater oh, uh, right. at the Dakota. track. Yeah, at the track. Uh, but from what I heard, Sharon Jones was was kill it. I missed that, but I heard that was great. And Chongong Shorty was oh, uh, performing okay. too. But I mean, I can't say that I'm a big Hall and Oates fan. I'm sure like the diehard fans got got their fill. Right. Uh, but as soon as that storm started coming, people started leaving. So I, I don't know if they, they probably cut it short because it uh, was because it, of the it storm. was raining. Yeah. I mean, it was it got pretty windy and started raining pretty so bad. Hollow Notes, that's one of the living legends to see. I mean, yeah. whether you know just a couple songs, definitely go and check them out if you have the opportunity. Did you go to any shows this weekend? Um, I didn't. I really wanted to go to that Vince Staples show that was at Parish on Monday. It was like twenty bucks. And you're not going to, maybe not even that much. You're not going to see him that cheap at a small venue very long. But um, it got sold out. People were <laughs> got keen on that game, and that sold out. I didn't hit that. But I did do Leon Bridges at Stubbs. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Fucking amazing. I mean, is that your first time seeing show. him? That was my second time. The first time I saw him was at South by last year, 2015. Uh-huh. I was hungover as hell, and I didn't really truly appreciate it and was able to stand up and enjoy it. Yeah. So this year, I made sure when I saw him come through, I bought the ticket in like December, and it sold out. Within a couple minutes, oh, wow. and that, that that show just happened. For those who don't know, Leon Bridges kind of, kind of like an R and B soul singer, very like a almost like a '60s doo wop type uh, vibe to it. If you ever seen Raphael Sadiq perform solo, that's the lead from Tony Tony Tony. Yeah, it's a lot like his set. Oh, okay. So it, it, was, it was very good. Sold out two shows at Stubbs. Definitely check him out the next time he comes through. Uh, Journey was also playing. I think that same night at Circuit of the Americas. I didn't catch that. They're ones and ones I want to check off, check off the list. But yeah, at, at this point, you're like, I want to see this this band before they yeah. die yeah. or something. <laughs> right, that's just yeah. happening more and more. Check. All right. Uh, Florence and Machine, as you mentioned, was at ACL Theater. Always a good show. Mm-hmm. Both them and just venue, uh, shows at ACL. You mentioned what New Breed? Blast yeah, band I went band? to Antone's on uh, Friday night, and there was this brass band from New Orleans, of course, called New Breed Brass Band. I've been getting to a lot of the shows at Antones. I love the kind, this kind of music they have there. And brass bands to me are dope because it's a bunch of kids that just get up there, perform. And what I love is when they start doing the riff, like especially with the, the bass or whatever, mm-hmm. of a popular song. You're like trying to figure out what it is and start singing on top of it and rapping right. on top of it. Like I love that kind of stuff. Do you know who it was? Was that Hard Proof? No, it was New Breed Brass oh, Band. Oh, that's in their name. That's, okay. that's your name, New Breed Brass Band. <laughs> I was just saying, there was a New Breed of Brass Band. No. <laughs> no, that's their I, they, name. They didn't think too hard about the name. <laughs> <laughs> they just were like, we're New Breed of Brass Band. That's what we do. I know, speaking of, of, this wasn't necessarily last week. This was yesterday, but it counts towards our FOMO. Um, Jackie Vinson? Jackie Vinson. Was, uh, perf- I have not seen her. And I feel really? So I know. Shout out to Jackie. Yeah. She's great. She performed Monday, yesterday at Anton's. That's Will's sister. Yes, I know. Will's been on the show many times. Uh, his whole family, are, they are musicians. Yeah, Jackie Vincent is really making moves, and uh, I love. I love she's gonna. To see I, she's on the verge of blowing up, man. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm waiting for it. She really. So she I hope Monday. she does. All right, so let's move on. Introducing today's guest. <laughs> today's guest partner at Swift Attic, Wu Chow, finalist at the 2016 Austin on the 40 Awards. Featured on Bravo, Best New Restaurant, Twitter Verified, Num Num Num, <laughs> Specialist, yeah, verified. Slick Haired and Nice Suits, Hip Hop Connoisseur, Panda Before Designer. 
<laughs> World's biggest China man and one of Austin's finest CKs in the building. How you doing, Woo. man? Well, doing well. Thank you. You're like you. the hipster panda? Is that you? Like before it was? He cool? was panda yeah, before, before panda. panda. <laughs> he, was, he was panda before designer. Yeah. From panda the before chain, panda. Chain level. Yeah. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for coming. I Thank really you for appreciate inviting it. Me. I really appreciate it. it. Took many. It took us a, a couple years to get on here. Huh? Yeah, yeah. 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 Those are wait lists. So yeah, we're glad. Yeah, there's a lot of people. You know. You know. Like I said, this man, you've been around for so long. Worked in restaurants. Uh, so why inspired you to get into this kind of business in the first place? Because it is one of those businesses that like they're really hard to get in and stay successful at. And somehow, like, your work magic and CKs everywhere. I think so. I mean, if you follow it back, I started, it started back in college. So I've been in Austin now for, I mean, we're coming up over, over 12 years now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been in Austin longer than I've really, in my adult life, longer than I've been in any other city. So, you know, I've definitely kind of adopted it as it were, you know, to be here. Um, you know, everything good that's ever happened in my life happened around food. You know, for me, that's what my family, we shared meals together. That was a big deal. Whenever something important happened, it was always around a meal. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, generally speaking, that's how I show how I care about people is by cooking for them or taking them out to eat or something like that. For me, it's always been a very bonding thing. It started really because in college I was studying to be a vet. That's what I wanted to do since I was like a little, little child. And uh, I went to Texas A&M University, and I went there to try to be a vet first couple years going into pre-med, biomedical science and whatnot. And, uh, you know, after about two years, I was like, you know what, let me go get a get a internship, like a, go volunteer at a vet clinic. I was like, I was all this time spending two years of college, I even never done it yet. I just had this vision that this is kind of what I wanted to do was to take care of animals and whatnot. And so uh-huh. and then uh, I went and worked at one for a summer and I was like, yeah, no, this is not what I want to do at all. It was uh it was different. I think at the end, it was my love and my care for animals and everything, I think it didn't manifest itself in such a way that was as m- kind of maintenance-oriented as far as this is kind of in the in the standard suburban-level vet. I think had I done a little bit more research, I probably rather – I was thinking more of like a Jack Handy trying to be a zoologist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kind of had this idea that I was going to go on The Tonight Show with a falcon. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think I was just, you know, just fascinated with that kind of stuff rather than the, you know, my my puppy has arthritis. But it just wasn't me. It wasn't what I really wanted to do. And in the middle of that, I was starting to do some work with Big Brothers Big Sisters. I was doing volunteering. I, I taught. I was a counselor at a couple summer camps, and you know, working with these children. And I kind of got really involved in that aspect. And I, you know, and I felt like that was the direction my life was headed. So I changed my major to elementary education. So I actually have a degree in uh, elementary education to from uh, Texas A&M. Oh, and right. And so, you know, and in all that, I was going towards being a going towards being a teacher and I was working the whole time through college. Um, you know, my family did as much as they could help me to college and I did the rest, you know, and, uh, you know, they worked so hard for it. And so for me, I was like, I need to supplement that as much as I can, you know, right. and that's how I was mm-hmm. working. And, uh, at nights, um, I was working mostly a day job. I did sales, tech support, computer stuff. And then halfway through, uh, when I had to switch over to student teaching, that became a daytime job. So hmm. I was like, I need a night job. Right. And so in my head, I was like, all right, so do I want to work at a convenience store? Do I want to go? <laughs> do I want to be a stock boy at right. Walmart? What's open at night? What's open at night? Right, right. And I was like, I don't want to do none of those things. And so I was like, I'm a big dude. I was like, I can go be a bouncer. I saw an ad in a paper. I was like, I'm going to be a bouncer. So I applied at the the one night club that was at A&M. 
And uh, what? Barracuda? <laughs> what was that? The... No, nah, it was at the time it was called Tonics. Okay. T O N I X. And uh, it was just this, it was the only dance club there. It was only open Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays. And uh, so I was like, perfect. I go there. And about two, you know, let's say two weeks in, I'm breaking up fights, you know, wiping blood off my shirt. And, <laughs> and I'm looking over at the bartenders making $300 an hour, $300 mm. at the end of the night. And I was like, I just made $30 doing all this yeah. work. And I was like, uh, let me, can I bartend? Right. Can I, you know, do you mind yeah. if I do that? mind if I try that? And so, uh, <laughs> you know, and I got into bartending. And I think at the end, uh, you know, just worked myself up through the ranks. And so I actually started in a nightclub business before this whole thing kind of went down. And then I went there and I just moved up, moved up the ranks. Um, you know, to me, that's just always been my, that, that, that was my motivation. I, I used to call it kind of assassin type motivated to go and I'll go into a job. I look around the room and I see whose job am I going to take next? <laughs> I said, just walk in. I go, Ooh, I'm going to sit in this dude's chair. I hope you progress and move forward. Right. Cause I'm going to take your job. I'm going to learn to do your job. And I'm going to do, do it better. better than you. I'm going to do it better than you. Right. And so you got to uh, move. So let's make moves together. Like, yeah. Let's go, you know, let's push this thing forward. And so, you know, I became, you know, the bar manager, I took over their, at the time it wasn't even called social media, it was just their website and their marketing, I took over that and, you know, and then eventually ended up managing the place. And so. How long did that take you all? Two years, maybe. Oh, 18 months. Yeah, that's pretty pretty quick. Something like that. Yeah, it was pretty quick. And, uh, you know, and I started there and, um, you know, I call it the, the, the eureka moment, the epiphany moment was, I remember the story, there's a friend of mine named Mike that was in town and he was managing, sorry, he was uh, operating a, um, like a recruiting type of scenario. And he was, there's a guy, he had a recruiter from Pfizer that he was kind of entertaining. And he was telling me, he's like, yo, CK, he's like, I've got this guy named Tim. He's going to come by. I need to look like a rock star. I'm trying to get a job after college. I'm going to try to, you know, Mm -hmm. get dialed in with this dude. I was like, no problem. He's like, I'm going to bring him to the club on Friday. Can you take care of us? You know, just make, make, make me look good. I was like, yeah, no problem. So they showed up, you know, it was the only club Friday night. There's a mm-hmm. line out the door. So, you know, hit me up, said that, you know, I'm on my way. So I came outside, saw them in the line, grabbed them, waved them through. Uh-huh. And I was like, come in, shook his hand, exchanged cards. I said, Tim, you know, this is, you know, I'm CK. Here's my card. You know, Mike is dope. Like, take, you know, he's a good guy. Known him for a long time. He's worth keeping in your, you know, Rolodex, all this, all that. And I, you know, at the end of the day, we talked for 30 seconds, right? right. 45, right. 45 seconds. But you did a giant cosign for him. Yeah. And caught him, saw, saw him in a, got him into a, you know, little table area, checked on him a couple times throughout the night, end of the night, you know, put him wasted in the cab, mm-hmm. had a great time, mm-hmm. right? Six months later, Tim gets back in town, hits me up. I get a call. Yo, CK, what's up? It's Tim. Hey, what's up? You at the club? Yeah, I'll be there tonight. Cool, I'm going to roll through. Uh, awesome. I'll see you there. He shows up, waved him through again, got him in, took care of him, whatnot. He's like, yo, we're playing golf in the morning. Did you want to play golf? And I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I get off work late. I'm like, where's Mike? I don't I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was trying to do my friend a solid, introduce you guys, trying to make him look good. But somehow I, like, bypassed HOV laned this dude's friendship 
Yeah, now you're hierarchy. Yeah, you're in a bromance now. And we're, and, and, we're, and, we're, and now we're kind of boys. And it's this weird thing. And I noticed it was like that was happening a lot is because there's something disarming about going out to a club or getting to know the guy who has access to the door or has access to food, drink, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is this, this kind of fast forward from socially. I was thinking in my head, I was like, if I were to call Tim's office or if you were to call Tim's office, not knowing, say, hey, I'd like to talk to this head recruiter or whatever, you wouldn't get through. Mm-hmm. It would get to his secretary. It'd get on, written on some notepad somewhere, and he'd get a message, and who knows when the next time you would talk to him. There's a lot of places, a lot of... Bureaucracy to go through. Yeah. yeah, a lot of red, uh, red tape. And I just bypassed all of that, you know? And all of a sudden, we're friends now, because for some reason, whatever reason, we shared that 30-second handshake, and now... Now we have something to offer to each other or whatever. Right. And so that fascinated me. And then and the network aspect of that really, really kind of enticed me to stay in that industry, just to be able to meet people, you know, in that capacity that quickly, that often. Mm-hmm. And it was just really, really awesome. I mean, the football players that would roll through, random right. celebrities that would go through, professors that would roll through. You were the I mean, go-to guy. Like, yeah. All of a sudden I became this hub. I was this this thing. And then and it just connected, you know. It helps. Like you mentioned earlier, I mean, I'm 6'5", Chinese dude. At Texas A&M, I might as well be Bigfoot, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just me over there, you right. know? And so it helps that I'm, a, I'm, I'm in that level of memorable <laughs> on that side. But uh, it was just something really, really, uh, it was fascinating to me on a social level. So, that, uh, so there was the transition from bar to restaurant okay, the, yeah. just a pretty easy one? or Well, it, it what it came down to was... Texas A&M University is is a is a is a city built around a school, right? So right, all of a right. sudden, you kind of wake up and you're the old guy at the club, mm-hmm. right? You all of a sudden, I mean, you're only 21 years old, but there's some 19 year old kid that's willing to do your job for 30 percent less because they just want to say that they're the, the yeah. manager of a club. And so all of a sudden, you just kind of get there. And then for me, you know, I got you kind of hit that ceiling at at this point, unless you open your own place there. That's it. You know, this is as high as you're going to go is to be just to manage this place. Mm -hmm. I was getting home at five o'clock in the morning. I mean, this is just at the end of the day. It was like one of those things. And my two best friends, actually, you know, all of them, Craig and Brian, Rishi, these guys kind of had an intervention. It was like, you're bigger than this. You know, this is not this is not your ceiling. Get out of there. Go do something. You know, and 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 pulled me aside and was like, I know you're happy. This is stable, and you're having a lot of good, you're having fun and meeting people, and whatnot. But you can do this elsewhere. And so, put put the name out there that helped us out. And you know, long story short, I got a couple offers from a different couple corporate bars, restaurants, bar and restaurants. And one was like, we man, we need managers bad. You can pick your pick. We have stores in in Houston. This is a place called Fox and Hound. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. So they're like, we got stores in Houston. Philly, Dallas, Austin, you know, all these places need managers. Take your pick. And my sister was living in Austin at the time, going to school. So I was like, well, why not I just go to Austin? I can be closer to her. I can still stay in, stay in Texas, so close mm-hmm. to my grandmother, who's really important to me. And so uh, I just took that job, and, and then I got here. And then that was the semi-transition to being a uh, restaurant, more restaurant and bar. rather. So, than just right. but you were at... Um is it Kenichi first? Yeah, so after Fox and Hound, uh, there was a scenario where basically uh, Kenichi at the time 
was kind of the high end sushi restaurant downtown. Uh, it, was it was good. A, it was the spot, right? Yeah, yeah. Fifth in Colorado for those. Who I remember. remember. Center. Right. Shout out to Gary. <laughs> yeah, that's the epicenter of uh, of downtown at the time, right there. Yeah. Um, and so that they were looking for an assistant manager. At one point in time, they ran the whole place with one manager and a bar manager, and then finally got busy enough. They hired a GM, or they needed a, an AGM. So I threw my name in the hat. I had met the guy a couple times. Uh, the guy who was the who was the GM at the time, he used to come in and have lunch, and uh, he he mentioned that he was looking. I put my name in a hat. I interviewed uh, with them. I was like twenty four at the time. I interviewed with them, and um, you know they they gave me the job. So I transitioned to Kenichi. I ran it in less than six months. Uh, my boy got let go. He got he got let go for doing some stuff. Like I'm not yeah. gonna put his own laundry out there. No, that's fine. So he got a uh, he got let go, and uh, so I told the owners, I was like, "Do me a favor, guys, give me the title before you start interviewing. Give me the title. Give me the responsibilities. Give me the job. You don't even have to pay me more." I said, "Just give it to me. Give me three months." I said, "I can learn Greek in three months. If I if I if I can't do this after three months, I'm never gonna be able to do it. Like it's not it's not something I'm capable of doing. It's just you're it's, that confident." Well, I was just no. My but, thing was like, if I can, I can. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I can't, then I'll find out in three months. Right, you right. Know? For yeah. the go-getters out there, that's a great aggressive. That's a, that's stance, a good idea. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I three told them, I said, "Can do anything in three months." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna find out one way or the other, right?" And so I took it. And those three months, they had the best three months they ever had. We did almost a million dollars in sales in in three months, and they were like, "Yeah, you you killed it," and to take it, take over it. And so they gave me the job, and and um. And kind of the rest is that. I just t- took that and ran with it and ran that for about four years. So when you, uh, so Kenichi, Paji House, Imperia, shout out, you did my birthday two years in a row. <laughs> Imperia, probably his too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so Swift Daddy comes around. What are some of the hardships, some things you go to open a restaurant? Because I think that that's, you know, Man. the restaurant business being so volatile and so so hard to get into. And here you are, you open a successful place on Congress and Fourth Street. So I'll, I'll tell you, so you, you skipped, okay, so what ended up happening with the, the, with the Paji house was uh, at the time I had some some disagreements with my business partner over at Imperia. It didn't it didn't end the way that I'd like it to. Mm-hmm. I had a time, I'd made a connection with, uh, at the time, a good friend of mine and now even a better friend, one of my mentors, uh, Stuart Tomajan, who at the time had just taken over and kind of bought out some some of the investors and bought the Paji house. Mm-hmm. He asked me, came up to me and was asking me just to kind of consult, look at the numbers. He treated me, you know, with the level of respect of saying that, you know, you're a relative expert in this field. I know business, but I don't know the restaurant business. Can you come help me out? Just look at this stuff and see if I'm losing my mind, why this place is, seems like it should be doing well, but for some reason, financially, it's not doing well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and on the condition at that time, I was like, well, I really want to get my name on the owner's book again. And so I told him, I was like, yeah, for sure. You know, let's let's do it. And he's like, well, why don't we get when we get Paji dialed in, we can do your spot. So, you know, we took Paji, worked our ass off, turned it around. And then he was like, so now's the time to come up with an idea to now let's do your spot. So what ended up happening with Swift's was the location came available. He kind of asked me the location, which was the old Kyoto right there in the mm-hmm. center of downtown. And it was a lot of challenges from that standpoint of like, man, we're, we're kind of off center. This was before rainy, right? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so fourth, third and f- between third and fourth is, is a little bit 
on the on the farther side. It's a little bit on the north, uh, the south side of south side of downtown. Right. When you're talking that all there was was West Sixth and Dirty Sixth. Right. Not right. a lot right. of traffic comes to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. That's right. And so we were like, man. But I was like, well, you know, it is Congress. There should be a reason to do it. And then, kind of the everything was very serendipitous. The way that all the stuff kind of fell into place, we couldn't figure out. I mean. To be honest, Swift's successful in spite of itself. I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of challenges when it comes to location. Mm-hmm. There was not a lot of signage. There's not a lot of parking. Um, you know, but we came at it with this kind of idea of I would call it a genuine hospitality angle, where I just legitimately wanted to share this with people. I legitimately wanted to develop some place that I thought would be a lot of fun to hang out with. My friends would like it, and then just right. really hope that we go there. I mean, jokingly in the beginning, we used to call it the FUBU of restaurants, right? <laughs> I was like, this well, is for us, by us. This is where I want, this is where I want uh, chefs to hang out, where I want other waiters to hang out, bartenders, all my right. friends who are in the industry, that they would love the place, you know? But uh, was it, were there some things that you're like, okay, now I'm, you're opening your own spot, but there were some elements that you didn't want to, like some kind of format that you did not want to let go of. I mean, hanging out with the friends, you know, you know I get I, that. I, but I think, I think Swift has its own vibe that you don't really find in your, maybe Wu Chow now, but that you don't really find in other restaurants. The biggest thing that came about was this idea of no pretension. Uh, at the time when we were starting that, there was this movement of Austin starting to become kind of a... Um, Kind of the, the foodie city that is now the fully, fancy upscale fully blossomed, right? What year is this? What, what year are we talking about? So now this is two thousand seven. No, hold up, two thousand eleven. Okay, right, okay. two thousand eleven. So you know, this is kind of the movement of the craft cocktail bars, right? right? Yeah. Of cra- craft <laughs> beer starting to come through, right? All this really, really kind of. Dallas upscale yeah, type just shit. upscale, right? Yeah, upscale. Whole, they're very, very, very specialized. Right. And there was a point, there was a movement towards a, what I would consider kind of lack of hospitality movement towards a specialty, kind of like almost I'm doing you a favor for coming into the restaurant kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, where you go to a place and if you were to order a Miller Lite, they'll look at you like, Psh, right. you know, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, side-eyed yeah. you a little bit for for drinking something or eating something like that. And and it was one of those things for, for me, I'm like, yeah, I'm all about that. I like the craft beer movement. I'm all about the craft cocktail movement. I'm all about super high-end food. But if you come in and you're like, you know what? It's like, can I get some ketchup? I'm not going to make you feel stupid for it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think, like, the key, we're in the hospitality industry. That's the first and foremost. Mm-hmm. We got to be hospitable. You know, you know what I mean? We got to be, we got to sit there and say, you are guest, so you come to my home. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking care you. of you. Yeah. You know, one of the best compliments I got right when we opened up Swift's was somebody wrote, it's like, you kind of feel like you're at a very fancy party at your friend's upstairs loft somewhere. <laughs> that's a good compliment, <laughs> yeah. though. It's a huge compliment because that's the level of comfort that I want. I want you to feel that level of comfort, you know. And, and so that was the big thing. I mean, we, right in the beginning, we did a lot of effort through that. We made a lot of goofy, we made up words on the menu. Yeah, that's, you know, like like there's merch, like, you know, we got all kinds of like freshly squoven lime juice and, and like, you know, and, and then we also, we, we sold Mickey's hand grenades, Mm -hmm. you know, malt liquor hand grenades and stuff like that as a joke for two, you know, two to three bucks, two bucks or whatever it is. And, 
that was just the idea that somebody comes in and says that there's a little bit of something for everything, you know, and mm-hmm. and so then and then um, you were mentioning the hip hop vibe. Yeah, I mean that's that uh, to me that's that was my well besides knowing you. Yeah, like that was that was the draw because you you walk into Swift Attic and Wu Chow now you know yeah. same thing and I know you're a big hip hop fan. Right, and <laughs> here you are, you sit at a, a dinner with your date or whoever you're with. And and you're eating to Trap Call Quest and Wu Tang <laughs> and CL Smooth comes on and Tell Me next and yeah. some Diggable Planets and you're just bobbing your head the whole time you're eating. Yeah, there. So there's a two 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 stage for that. Number one was I I didn't you know from music wise if you're gonna divide it into genres for some reason you know you know a restaurant it's, it's whatever the vibe has to be right whatever it's, it's gonna kind of tell you right uh you can't force it um for me it was always the mentality of i don't understand why we can't play music that we like like what we were listening to on the drive up yeah and then sit in the restaurant all of a sudden we've got to listen to elevator music right mm-hmm. So I never understood that concept. So what happened was, what happened was <laughs> feedback. So that's right. Shut up. So yeah, exactly. What what the very first our first our official opening was a Friday, and that Friday uh, MCA died from the Beastie Boys. Mm. And rest so in peace. I was yeah, rest in peace for sure. So I was bummed out. I was like, man, it's like. You know, and then I thought, I was like, you know what we can do? I was, I'll tell you what. I said, well, we sell Mickey's hand grenades already. We don't sell OE, but we sell Mickey's. I said, so what we'll do is we'll sell brass monkeys all night. We'll pour a little out for MCA, put a little orange juice in there. We'll sell brass monkeys all night. And then we'll donate all the proceeds to his foundation, awesome. the Miller Foundation. Nice, right? yeah. So we did that. It's just on the, on the whim, packed house. And we're talking, you know, this is about 930, still packed, still on a wait, busy, busy restaurant. And at the time, I was playing a lot of like just just good ambient neo soul trap, a little bit of trap, less less known, but still has a little bit of hip hop beat to it, but not mm-hmm. mainstream. What I would consider what I would consider mainstream, you know, like what stuff that you know tribe, you know, right. digable all that. And so uh, we told uh, I just turned off all the music, moment of silence, and then blasted Brass Monkey. Just, 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 like, just as, a, as, as, a, as a tribute, right? And I mean, people like that stood up, clapped, whooping, hollering, singing along, laughing. Because, you know, that's one of the most noticeable intros, right? This silent, bang, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, everyone was like, what? And I was like, man, it's like, I didn't know. I didn't know they were feeling it like that. I said, and I guess, uh, you know, the news that a lot of people knew that he had passed. And so I just let it just ride. I played the rest of, you know, the license to ill, you know, the, all the rest of the, I mean, just kept playing nothing but Beastie Boys for the rest of the night. And I was like, man, people were jamming, bopping, and people coming up to me afterwards was like, that was the dopest dinner I've ever had in my life. We're having an amazing meal, listening to cool ass music. And it was just really great. And so from that point on, right around sundown, right when, the, you know, the I got kind of the people who were there for an early calm dinner out of the way, mm-hmm. you know, I just started playing hip hop and I just started. And, you kept and that's where it started. Just, that's great that you created such a memorable, story. yeah, such a memorable experience on that, right? People go out for that. People remember that. And that's why they love, I think, Swift Addict. Yeah. So, so then so, so then when, when Wu Chow opens, like it's a totally diff- different vibe. Why did you, why that kind of... Uh, food first of all wu chow so chinese food 
Obviously, I'm Chinese. For those of you listening, yeah. I'm very, I'm, a, I'm overtly Chinese. If you see me, <laughs> you can't miss them. Exactly. It doesn't so, blend in the crowd, even yeah. in China. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I've always felt Chinese food was underrepresented. I feel like there was a, oh, I, I felt like if you look at, you know, I started my career in Japanese food, sushi. And there was, even in the beginning of my career there, there's a lot of people that were like, I really like Japanese food, sushi, but in truth, they were a chicken teriyaki, California roll eating people, right? Right. With the help of Tyson Cole at Uchi, with mm-hmm. the help of, you know, Takesan over at, you know, at the time, you know, all these these Japanese chefs that, you know, even Smokey over at Musashino doing some really traditional stuff to start opening up people's eyes to kind of the more traditional methods mm-hmm. you know even uchi who did they they did even very progressive but they were still very authentic in mm-hmm. my mind you know and so i felt like chinese food was the same way where you talk to a lot of people about oh i love chinese food a lot of people grew up eating chinese food but if you're from central texas yeah pf changs that that, that, that that probably was it that you was probably, fancy that was, yeah. pf chang is a, is a date yeah, you probably had some chinese that's legit date chinese takeout <laughs> yeah and, and you know and like i said i don't I, you know i don't i i don't this that you know for me i think that there's a place for that i, I just it's just not chinese food i call it american food yeah right? fair. it's it's different like i i, I tex-mex is tex-mex i love tex-mex but you know you take somebody from interior mexico and you give them tex-mex they're going to be confused they're like i don't they have a this, is, yeah. this is not what my mother cooked for me and kind of thing and that was the way it was i mean don't get me wrong i love me some general sauce chicken it's bootleg as hell it's not chinese food but <laughs> it's good in its own right. And so I just wanted a place in, you know, 10 years ago uh, when I moved to Austin, looking up, my mother would come in town and I'm trying to find places to take her and my grandmother. And I'm looking up top Chinese restaurants in Austin and P.F. Chang's breaks the top five every time. And I was like, yo, like no. this is. There's ooh, a void here. There's, there's, a, there's that a spot void. on Oldorf. There's a yeah. void. What was it called? Wu, Wu, Wu Chow? Wu Chow? No. No, not no, Wu Chow. No, Wu Chow. No, no, it was, it was, on Oldorf. Uh, it was, uh, there was, yeah, there were some places open until four Wan in the morning. Wan Fu. Wan Fu. That's what it is. Wan Fu. They even shut down. But, 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 but even, you know, so that's, that's where it was. And, you know, Swift's wasn't the right place and it, it didn't feel like it was the right time. What, what kind of spoke to me was the, the addition of, Again, these are people I you know consider them trailblazers that came in and paved the way. Elizabeth Street, Sway, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even Ramen Tatsuya, who yeah. who are bringing fashionable, authentic food to where people at this time. That's when this is now when people value that. Right, right. There's a point in time when you would have to adjust the the, the origin of church American food is the adjustment of the palate to. To make to, it closer to, to what people, to what are people eating. know, right. yeah, to what people know. As now, people say, "Now I want you to serve it like you would eat it." Right? Like, there's a big difference. If someone to go instead of toning down the spice, no, I heard that your this particular region eats really spicy. Now light me up. Like this is what I want to taste, you know. And so the time I felt like was right for Chinese food to be represented in that way. And for me, the big mo really was that typically. Chinese food, even really good Chinese food restaurants, has never put any effort in ambiance and vibe, energy like that. It's just good food. As long as it's good food, quick, yeah. inexpensive, boom, mm-hmm. move, move on. And for me, it was like, well, I want it to have ambiance. I want there to be a, a entertainment value of, of going out to a nice place, feeling comfortable, being waited on, having good service. And good music, too, and, again. Well, good music, too, again. <laughs> 
But the main thing really is uh, the quality of ingredients. I read an article a couple years ago that's talking about why does ethnic food have to be low quality? And it was like one of those things why people are okay with eating mystery meat, uh-huh. eating whatever, the whatever, whatever, you know? Um, and a lot of that was just by design, right? A lot of immigrants came in living in the small neighborhoods. That's all we can afford. They had to get to a price point. And for me, I was like, well, what happens if I cook my family, the food that we grew up on, my Chinese food that my grandmother cooks, and use organic free-range chicken, never, ever hormone-free beef, local vegetables, you mm-hmm. know, all this stuff that, that most of the Chinese food places are not, they don't care about because they're trying to get it to a price point. Mm-hmm. I was saying, I think that I would value, I think our diners in Austin would appreciate paying two more dollars for something that is sustainable, something that's local, something that's hormone free, something that's all this stuff, because that because we care about what we're eating. Now. I mean, it's crazy that now, like that's that's the way it was it was supposed to be, and now you're like, oh, actually, our food is real food. Come on and eat it. Yeah, that's, and, that's nuts. And, and what I thought about was because you know, growing up, like let's say when I would go visit my family in Taiwan, like a lot of these re- like the street food, like that was healthier than it is now. Because that street, they they're too broke to be have pesticides to add all the other <laughs> stuff in there. You know, the chicken you're eating was running around earlier today. Right, yeah. that's organic. It's free range because it's, it's free organic. Range right now. They go chase it down. Yeah, chase it down. <laughs> you know, and so for us, it was like this weird blend of where I think culturally, when you know my family that was in the restaurant business and whatever, when they came over here, the concept that when you buy chicken, that potentially this chicken is worse for you than this chicken. Is, is really convoluted. The, the idea is like, no, man, this is, you go to the guy who sells chickens and it should be good stuff. Right, but but you live in a, you live in a country where, you know... People make 100 million pounds exactly, of chicken. Exactly, right. yeah, exactly. So do you feel like you're, you're starting a trend now with this, you know, homemade, real, authentic... I hope so, you know. I, I, have, I, have you seen anything, like, happening? Because you, know, well, you keep like, up with the scene. Well, like I said, I think that, I think that the... The more new American, the new American, that kind of stuff, you know, have already making that movement, right? You're talking about Swift's was that way from minute one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're talking about every restaurant now. If you're not, you know, the Barley Swines, the Odd Ducks, the Contigos, the, yeah, you know, yeah. all the, I mean, these places, if they're not... Serving the real food. <laughs> if, they're, if they're not serving food, they're going to laugh off the block at this point. Right. It really is uh, the more that we're accepted. Like, it's been really tough for Austin to embrace a, a high-end Tex-Mex joint because you still have to get through that cognitive dissonance of sitting there and saying, no, man, enchiladas are supposed to be $4. <laughs> right. you know? And you're like, do you know, can you, where, what can you get for $4? Go to the store, try to buy it. Go to Whole Foods. Try to tell me how much meat you get for four dollars. Right. Try to make some enchiladas with $4. try to make some four dollars with, with real stuff. You can't. And people are have to let go of that concept of saying that real food needs some support. You know. And I think that that's just the movement. And I'm just bringing my culture along with it. Did you see it in other cities or Austin? Austin was pretty... Austin is leading the forefront, I think. You think so? I really think so, because Austin is very health-driven and very health-conscious, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, they talk about as far as with uh, the healthiest cities in the country, yeah. you know, are always the countries that are bikini season eight months out of the year, right? I mean, right. you're talking about Hawaii is the healthiest country in the union at this moment, whatever, because 
you have to be beach ready at all times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and so, you know, there's, there's that kind of conversation about it. But not, you know, all joking aside, Austin has always been very health conscious and is very, very locally driven. And and if anything, the local war movement is is a really big thing because that encourages that too, because your local farmers aren't on that level, that capacity that necessitates mass pesticide, GMO, that kind of stuff. It feels like, you know, when I, when people come to town and they go, I want to eat, you know, they want to eat Austin. That's right. If you want to have P.F. Chang that you can have in any other city, you know, if you want to eat at, I mean... I don't need something I can't get anywhere else. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. So There's some artisanship there too, and that's, and I think that's where the restaurants that I like to go to, the restaurants that I tend to support um, are all passion driven, right? There's mm-hmm. the people who really legitimately love what they're doing and, and it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be hoity toity. I mean, like you're talking about, I go to new Orleans two or three times a year to go eat at Willie Mays scotch house, right? Best fried chicken on earth. Hands really? They've been doing fried chicken for 60 years and that's all it is. You know what I mean? I mean, they won a James Beard Award. They're James James Beard Award for their fried chicken. I mean, that's about as home. I mean, you eat it and you taste 60 years of history there. You know what I mean? It's just to me. There's an orgy in your mouth when you Dude, eat it. Is. It's foodgasm. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't live in the state. I'm a regular there. They yeah, walk yeah, in, yeah. What's, up, what's up, big man? <laughs> like they know me, you know? And but that's what I mean, is because that level, you know, there's a place down there, uh, you know, that that in every city, there's the, there's the people who value that. Like you know, we talk about Tatsu, uh, Tatsu the other. Yeah, day, Tatsu. you know, you know, you can taste his his vision, his passion about what he's doing, and his food. To to me, I, I I look at it and I go, he's not just cooking a bowl of soup with some noodles in it. He's trying to share with us something, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? And it sounds real, you know, real hippie hippie and trying to be all you know, metaphysical and everything like that. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm just trying to say that he's, when you when he tastes the food, I know that he's watching me when I eat it. He's and see like, your expression see on your face. Because that brings him joy, right? I mean, and then, and that's the way I am. Nothing makes me happier than seeing somebody happy, you know? I want to dial back to a, a, a something we touched on earlier, and that was a culture of Austin and being fit and healthy. But beyond that, just a general culture of Austin, how do you think that food plays a factor into blending into that culture? Um, at, you know, we're a big tech city. We're a big fit city. We're a big live music city. Festivals do, and all festivals. How, yeah. do, how does how does the food scene blend into that? How does it impact it? How is it how is it impact those things? Well, I think again, that's kind of why I got into the business. The food is essential for everything. You know, the only people in life that I found that I can't connect to really are the people who are the food for fuel type people. Mm-hmm. Right? Those. Those kind of few people that they, you know, if they could have an IV, they would be fine with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't relate to them. I don't understand. I mean, there's to me everything about everything that I do is centered around the 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 community of that aspect of the of the you know the congregating of our friends or the the idea that we're all going to get together and share a meal, break bread, all that, and so. You know, the food community, I'm glad it's finally tying into where, like, you know, unfortunately it was canceled this year, but Austin Food and Wine, you're talking about it's thrown by the people who throw ACL, right? I mean, it's like right. you're talking about these these big instances of where people respect the talent that it takes, the effort that it takes, and and people recognize that as much as people like to all gather around and stare at these people play music at us, you know, I can appreciate these people who have maybe smoked 
you know, Aaron Franklin, all he did was take a simple piece of meat, some wood, yeah, smoke it. And the way he does it is different than everybody else. <laughs> and why is that? You know, the same guitar has the same six strings. You know what I mean? Why is it one dude is Jimi Hendrix, one dude is Eric Clapton, and one dude is terrible? <laughs> you know what I mean? Shout out to terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why is that? It's because there's something about that. There's a way to do it together. And, and so for me, the, the ability to recognize food as a, as a, as a soul-touching type of event and stuff like that, I think it's great for our culture as a city. And being labeled a foodie city is fantastic to me. You know, with that label of a uh, foodie city, I know it, it 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 can attract some celebrities. Yeah, as well. I mean, I am um, when I look at the pictures, I'm like <laughs> this guy, and not only that, because I see you at the shows on stage, all that stuff. So, you know, the list is long as hell. Ghostface, Raekwon, of course, basically the Wu Tang Clan came to Wu Chow. Uh, Olivia Munn, Olivia Munn, <laughs> Talib Kweli, Steve Aoki. I mean. <laughs> At this point, anybody but the president has been to your place. I know, man. Where's he at? Uh, he's on his way out. It might be. He'll be back he'll in be Austin. Back, back. So, you know, when you have to deal with that caliber, you know, of people, uh, do you, you know, it is in the uh, hospitality business. You have to be welcome home and all that stuff. But, again, you're dealing with people who are, I won't say up here, you know, and they have demands. There are certain things that they like and certain food that they want cooked a certain way, even if you're like, this is how we do it yeah. at my house. Like, what kind of, what are some of the things you have to deal with? G- generally speaking, I think, you know, depending on the person, the celebrities that are very, very, very what I would consider high maintenance tend not to come to places like this because it's so high profile. They, they, you know, they're the ones that get their handler to call ahead of time to make sure they have the right food, to make sure that, mm-hmm. you know, so on and so forth. The people who come in regular and frequent my spots come, I think, come in for a couple of reasons. Number one, I treat them like humans. You know what I mean? It's like I don't get starstruck very often. I respect them for who they are. I'm big fans, you know, but at the end of the day, I recognize that I'm still here to take care of them as a human. So, like, they, you know, they respect that. And, you know, I tell my staff not to, to like dote over them, you know, take care of them, make sure they're all, you know, all that. <clears throat> but at the end, you know, you just ask them legitimately, you know, how can I make you happy? And, and that's, and that to me, and it's going to sound real cliche, but everyone's VIP, right? I mean, I don't treat, like, I, I, I would, I would pose this question to you. Is it more valuable to me to have a Steve Aoki come in and have dinner and enjoy himself? Or this cat who's 16 years old, who spent three months saving up his allowance or his summer job and bring his date in here and for him to have a good time you know i would say they were equally equally as important i can't look oh. at i can't look at that get a shirt huh? <laughs> make put that on the shirt yeah, i can't i can't look at no, that you're right cat. i can't look at that cat that comes in here and and this is a real big deal to him whereas opposed to some of these celebrities who get to eat like this all the time you know, yeah, the only thing that's different is that these other celebrities, the reason why they're such a big deal is because I'm almost thanking them for what they've given to my life already. You know what I mean? At the end, the big honor of of having some of the Wu-Tang come in to eat, to have the Jizza or, you know, or these one Raekwon ate at Swift's, like, was because I'm like, yo, you you have given me 10 years of happiness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 20 years of happiness. I need my restaurant after yeah. your group. <laughs> <laughs> let me give you one night. Yeah, <laughs> let me let me do my share and return the favor a little bit. Uh-huh. And that's And that's the difference. Whereas this cat, you know, this dude that's come in and brought his date and shaved up for whatever, this dude is is 
partaking in the experience and you know and i owe him that mm-hmm. but you know these other guys you know to have quest in there i mean come on like we've been listening to him forever Forever right. and ever, right, right, from right. from afar, he's like your uh, your your buddy at this point. Well, I mean, he we relate on a foodie level, right? I yeah. mean, and so him and his people, and he's genuine, you know. And like I said, at the end of the day, only if people are genuine will you relate to them, you know. I don't like I'm not that kind of guy. I won't I won't have like if a celebrity comes in and they're not cool. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> you know right, what right, I mean? Right. It's it's the ones that are like when Lionel when, when Lionel Richie came in to uh, you know to Swifts, and you know he's coming in there, and I'm I'm looking at him like a 13 year old girl, like <laughs> like please tell me some more Michael Jackson stories, <laughs> like, you know, like you know I'm sitting there just just you know goo eyed over him because he's such a legend, right? And I mean, but the cool part was he looked you back in the eye and talked to you. He's telling me a story, not like, man, this dude's bothering me, but he's like, man, and he's just talking to you. And then afterwards, he's like, yo, CK, it's like, you know, it's, you shutting down? I was like, yeah, we're almost down. He's like, well, how about we go downstairs, listen to some jazz together? Mm, I'm like, from uh, did, did uh, Lionel Richard just ask me to go downstairs? And <laughs> I think he did. I think, yeah. yeah. You know? Yes. Let me uh, think about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll toss, toss my key to my bartender. Like, don't burn the place down. I'll be downstairs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, and so for me, that's a thousand times more of an experience of valuable because of the connection way more so than any sort of idea that they just happen to walk through. Right. You know what I mean? Wow. I want to hone in some of your, ex- your experiences, not only as, as a restaurant owner, but even as a diner, you say you're a foodie, you, you patron other restaurants mm-hmm. and other people in the area. And we want our listeners to learn a little bit from you, from your experience doing that. We want them to know how to dine like you do and how to, how to have those same experiences. With that in mind, what would you say are some telltale signs when you walk in a restaurant or even before you walk in when you're, when you're researching a restaurant? What are telltale signs of what a good restaurant is, what you define as good versus a bad? Like what are the things that you look for? So generally speaking, I look at a, the community aspect first. So at now, I mean, you may not have, some of your listeners might not have the network that I have, but I tend to look for people who are already part of the community, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you find one restaurant that you like, Start there because that person, there's a chef, a manager, a waiter there that probably has their favorite and you can kind of branch out from there. Nothing better than word of mouth. Right. Mm-hmm. At the end, you look at advertisement, you gotta take everything, pardon the pun, you know, pardon the, the pun uh with a grain of salt, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta sit here and say, They're trying to advertise, we're gonna put our best foot forward. But when you have the waiter having no boundary to why he would tell you one way or the other, he can say, You gotta go to this spot, go see so and so. Um, that's going to be a good good guess right then and there. And then, you know, from there, that's where I go. I, I, I My tendency is to go look at places that kind of speak differently. I mean, I think everyone has a different reason to go out to eat, you know. And for me, one of the things is I want to experience different types of food, mm-hmm. you know. I've got friends of mine who got great steakhouses, right? Mm-hmm. Shout out to Scotty at Awesome Land of Cattle. I love mm-hmm. those cats, right? But to me, I'm like, when I'm craving a steak, that's where I'm going. But most of the time, when it's my day off, I want to try something new. I want to try someplace I've never been. So I'm looking for some food that I've never tried before. And so Mm -hmm. the tendency is to go to someplace who is a little bit more innovative or even from a cultural aspect food that I've never had before. Do you have have your go-to spots at this point? Yeah. I mean, so like if, say, barbecue. 
Barbecue. Just ask Franklin's because that's on TripAdvisor. <laughs> it's everywhere. Uh, Style Switch is doing big things. Okay. Uh, Cooper's right next to us is doing big things. Uh, I really, really enjoy uh, La Barbecue, Terry Black's, both mm-hmm. the original and, sorry, Terry Black's on Bar Springs and the original <laughs> Black's Barbecue. I mean, barbecue is one of those things. I'll tell you, I look at barbecue like the Olympics, right? First place gold medal. Last place is about one second behind. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it reaches a point of awesomeness that unless you're terrible, meaning, you know, whatever you're getting out of the grocery store freezer aisle, uh-huh. like it's a lot of preference. I mean, I still love Salt Lick. That's, and it's a whole experience for me. So when I get my friends and we all go out to Salt Lick with a cooler and get out there ready to get ready for the meat sweats, like that's that's what that's part of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to sit there and say that if you gave me Franklin's and Salt Lick that I would snub my nose at, mm-hmm. at Salt Lick. I'm like, nah, man. Oh, you want? Sure, take Franklin. You know, I'll be good. Do you have a uh, like a secret menu type thing at my restaurant? Yeah. The, so there's a couple things, you know. <laughs> you say, Come that's on, a, blow that's it. a little hesitation there. Every restaurant has one. It's 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 not as much. I as want a, the CK a, special. So the secret <laughs> secret menu that, that that's what I would say is my number one tip is to just kind of let go of your ideas and of what your like your expectations and really just kind of enjoy the ride. You know what I mean? I mean the the whole point is for you to go there. Like for instance. For me, if you want a secret menu, you go there, get the Korean barbecue steak at Swift's and add an egg on it. Like take something that exists and then just... And then just change it because that's the way the servers ate it, right? The servers came up with it and made it up along the way. But what I mean by that is you you talk to your server a couple seconds, disarm them and say, look, I'm here to have an experience. You send me whatever you want to send. I mean, I've been known to send them stuff that the chef is working on that hasn't made the menu. I've been known to have the chef make up something on the fly because if you've been there a couple times and like I've had all this stuff before, then the chef, you know, I can have the manager go back there and say, hey, remember that thing that we tasted, you know, wasn't quite ready for the menu, but, you know, let's maybe make this guy a dish and have have him try it, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, you know. it's That's taken really from my Japanese restaurant experience, which is what they call omakase, which is this meaning to trust, right, to trust the, mm-hmm. the person, the, the chef in front of you. And, I mean, at this point, like I haven't ordered at a sushi restaurant in probably – seven years, eight years, I just sit at the sushi bar or talk to my server and say, you tell the chef, do your worst. Send me, send me yeah. whatever you go because they know what's... That's the way to go. I used to do that at Imperia all the time. You walk right. up to Tatsu and be like, just make some shit up. Yeah, yeah do whatever you want because I, you know what's fresh. You know what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I'll tell them, these are the flavors I like. Just make something yeah. along those lines. And, and you know, and you end up talking yourself out of it sometimes too. That's why, you know, I've never been a huge fan of really super vague menus. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you have to because there's people who sit there and say, I don't like onions. And you're like, man, onions are in everything. <laughs> like, you might not like biting into an onion, but that chicken soup you're eating has onion in it. You know what I mean? That's gravy has onion in it. It's like saying you don't like salt. And so that sometimes you talk yourself out of it. Most of the dishes, like the dishes when I used to go see uh, Bryce over at Barley Swine, the dishes that I wouldn't order based off the description tended to be my favorite. Because hmm. I always be like, man, I would have never ordered that because... You know, it doesn't speak to me. Watermelon, pork belly, what is that? You know, whatever. But then whatever he put it together, I'm like, yo, that was unbelievable. That was dope, you know? So just as a quick follow-up, is that is that 
part of how you order. When you look at a menu, do you try to aggress? Do you go after things that you normally are uncomfortable yeah, with? Yeah, I try to. I think that's a, that's a good way to, to go. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of times, like, you'll have all these fancy words just to describe something simple, but you never thought of putting all these words together, and you have no idea what the flavor would be like. Yeah. Because if, if it just said, you know, meat and potatoes, everybody knows what that is. Yeah. But if you start throwing some words, like... Throw some French in it. Throw some <laughs> some words you make up, like you, yeah. like you do a Swift, and then you know, like give it some swag a little bit, so that people are like, oh, I'm curious about this. Yeah, for me, 100. percent That's that's it. I mean, again, with the mentality, there's a difference, man. I mean, sometimes I crave pepperoni pizza, and that's what I want, and I'm gonna get that, right? But other times, I'm gonna go there and say. I've had that before. I've had that before. So as much as I want it, I know it's delicious. I'm not going to order it because I want Put it. Put Nutella on it. Put, <laughs> put some respect on my pizza. Put some respect <laughs> on my <laughs> pepperoni pizza. <laughs> hey, man, um, what do you have? So as we begin to close out here, CK, um, in the food world or even in the music world, I mean, anything you have coming up over the next week or so? Like that to you recommend? Just, the next week, huh? Well, um, it can be in the next weeks or months. Well, I, mean, I know that we got upcoming. a third place coming up, right? Oh. We have a third restaurant opening up. Ah. Uh, I'm making a bonus episode. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> off of uh, North Lamar. Okay. Uh, over in the, right across the street from Central Market. Under, right. Underneath. Oh, by Kendra Scott. Kend- underneath Kendra Scott. Same, same ah. building. Oh, okay. And next to Snooze, who my boy Lewis. Ah, is just open it up. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be dope. So, seafood focused. Awesome. Um, so, uh, it's going to be... Good, good. Uh, I can't tell you too many details. They're not. No, nah, we'll do a yeah. bonus yeah. episode. We'll is be up in the air. Do you have any time frame you can tell us? Yes. I mean, we're hoping to start construction by the by the fall, right? Okay. So, so, so we're looking at we're looking at twenty seventeen. Yeah, that's what summer. We're yeah, spring, summer. So write write your city person and push, yeah, right. <laughs> push my shit through. So, <laughs> so it's not two thousand eighteen. You know what I mean? Uh, what about Wu Chow? Uh, any special? I'm not, I I I've yet to try to dim something. Yeah, I mean, the, to me, I think that. That's the thing. That's the one thing about Chinese food with Wu Chow that's good is that that's the that's the any day of the week, any time of the any time of the week meal okay. for me. So I encourage you to come in and try those. Uh, you know, try the dim sum. It's a very social type of food, and um, the off menu things that you need to come in and try the Peking duck. We, we got to order. He's got to order forty eight hours in advance. But come in, make a reservation, get the Peking duck. We do it the, you know, we do it the the right way, which is the, you know, the whole drying process, inflating process, the marinating process, everything like that. And Picking duck. All right. Yeah. So, take notes, people. Yeah. What it now? T- take notes. All right. Uh, let's see what's uh, coming up. Uh, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. So two things. It's boat season kickoff. So be safe. And second, no refusal weekend. So be safe even more. Now there's no Uber and Lyft and stuff. So, want you guys to be safe out there. Any recommendations you got, Miko? Yeah, uh, coming up this week on Thursday for my more rock friends, we have uh, Flogging Molly's at Stubbs. Nice. Uh, $33 GA, $35. Day of show. Day of show, yeah. So um, Friday, by the way, also at Stubbs. And I can tell you, personal experience from South By, um, ASAP Ferg and Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez puts on a crazy show. Crazy energy. If you're up front, prepare for him to step on your hands and your head. Shout out, <laughs> Shout out to Sasha. Over yeah. At, uh, yeah. Score, score more. more. Score more. Yeah. So boys are doing big things, yeah. man. Um, so happy for those guys. Aluna George is also Friday at Emos. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you caught her doing South By, she's she's on a verge of, of getting big. Actually, you could argue that she already is. Mm-hmm. There are still tickets available for that. I was actually kind of surprised. So that's Friday. Um, Sunday. Oh, actually, also on Friday, 
DJ K. Kelly is throwing her a one-year anniversary for her group Shout theory. Shout out to K. Kelly, group Shout theory. Kelly, one of our good friends at the Belmont. It's always good fun. I'll probably be there. Um, uh, five bucks at the door. Bring your dancing shoes. It's one of those parties. Yes, a lot of dancing there. Not a lot of wallflowers. Uh, Sunday, New Jack Swing with... Uh, oh, you actually want to talk about that? Yeah, protege Mike Swing, Kid Slice. He do New Jack Swing at Volstead this Sunday. Uh, 21 plus at Volstead on the east side. Also, it's also one of those parties that you got to bring your dancing shoes. This guy's been putting it down. They've been on the show before, so make sure you go check them out. Uh, if you don't know what New Jack Swing is, think about all the 90s stuff. I mean, from Belle Biv DeVoe to Janet Jackson to Michael to uh, Guy to uh, Johnny, what's his name? Johnny Gill. Johnny Gill. Yeah. Uh, so definitely great stuff to check out. Also Sunday, Tyler the Creator <laughs> is back at Stubbs. I'm surprised they let him back yeah, in no, town, in right? <laughs> After what he did last time, Boy. but he's here. A lot of the kids love him. So, so 26 general admission, 28 at the door. 126. If you want to be VIP, maybe you get to meet him. And maybe you get to break things with him. Yeah, maybe. Wait, they they give you a two dollar discount. You said 20... 126 oh. VIP. <laughs> I said 26. 20, I thought you said 26 and 24. <laughs> oh, no. <I> like, <laughs> 126 VIP. Oh. All right, well, thank you so much, CK. I really appreciate it. No, it was my pleasure. Yeah, it's been good. No, it's been good. good. I learned a lot. And that picking duck, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order a week in advance. Do like, it. I'm coming for the duck. Uh, any? How do we keep up with you, with Wu Chow, uh, Swift, the internet, the Twitters, and yeah. Facebooks? I mean, Twitter, Instagram... S E E K A Y C H I N. Um, hit me on that. I'm pretty pretty active on those on those platforms. I can't add any more people on Facebook. Uh, I'm in already. I'm yeah, you, got, you made the cutoff. Write yeah. write Zuckerberg and tell him to up that cap. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but other than that, you know, just hit me up. I'm like I said, I'm I'm always at, lately. I've been at Wu Chow seven days a week, pretty much. So, I mean, stop by and say hi. I'd love to see you. Um, you know that I'm starting to move over to Swiss as, as much as I can, more just to to make sure that and I'm, I'm still checking on them. You know, it's like your, it's like your kids. You know, right. Wu Chow's your newborn. Get to give yeah. them a good solid six. Yeah, six, until six, they grow up. Now, now I'm char- starting to, you know, starting to kind of. Yeah, go check it out if you haven't. Wu Chow is on Fifth and between Rio Grande and San Antonio. Fifth and San Antonio. San Antonio. San Antonio. San Antonio. San Antonio. Yes. San Antonio. So go check it out. Go have some food. It's delicious. I went there for my birthday. It was so freaking good. Yeah, so my, good. You so know, good. my grandmother finally was able to go there and eat there a couple weeks. And she's, she approved. It's, Grandma approved. It's, it's named after her. So my Aww. my grandmother, my grandmother raised me. And her last, their family name. Well, my mother, and my grandmother, obviously, but my grandmother, you know, cooked for us and everything like that. Her last name is Wu. So uh, I named the whole restaurant, the, the name the restaurant after her. So the Wu, the Wu and Wu Chow is actually oh, not, I not, it was not after not after the Wu Tang. I mean, I think <laughs> you told me when you told me about no, it. No, no, no. Uh, it was actually for for my grandmother. grandmother oh, Wu. okay. Well. Yeah. So. Wu Tang maybe did it for her so grandma. So she came too. in now. So grandma's here. She approves. So all y'all can come in now. Nice. Everybody yes. else waiting for my grandmother to approve. Me. Come on in. Do it. Yeah, sure. go check it out. Uh, just say the feedback sent you, and That's CK right. will take care of you. Make sure you subscribe to the Feedback Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow the feedback on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And that's it. Thank you so much, Thanks, CK, guys. Miko. Yes, sir. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time. Ciao, Austin. Out.